Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> in the top eight, then you're going to have her out, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. This is episode number 53. I am one of your faithful co-hosts, Patrick. I am not joined by our other two co-hosts today. In fact, uh, Adrian and I had recorded an episode on Tuesday, and it was lost to the aether of the internet, which does happen from time to time. Uh, and while neither of those guys were able to get on this week, uh, I did get a uh, certain someone uh, who was able to hop on the castle today. Say hello to Mr. Uh, John Celso. What's up, man? Hey, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? Well, not too bad. I guess you are the only faithful co-host currently. I guess so, yeah. I think I'm the most faithful of the three. <laughs> Hashtag shots fired. <laughs> we'll see how bad we can get Jerry in this episode. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, you win by default because your opponent hasn't shown up to the table. So Right? I mean, that's what, that's what definitely what it is, right? I mean, once we get into 10 minutes of the cast, he's, he's given up that match loss, so... Yep, uh, I believe the official term in the Magic Tournament rules is scurred. <laughs> hashtag scurred for everyone uh, on Twitter. You can just uh, just uh, send Jerry hashtag scurred and don't tell him why. Just, uh, just, <laughs> just tweet him that and don't tell him why. He'll love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the Chewy Playbook for stuff like this. <laughs> so what have you been up to, man? You been playing any Legacy lately? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been tough with work and, and home and all that shit, especially because I had parents up in town for, like, three weeks. But uh, I did oh, wow. get to my LGS to play some Legacy, and it nice. was gorgeous. <laughs> so in the post-Dictory time world, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. In and the, what did you play? Uh, it was the uh, what, Vancouver Mulligan era, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So I, I actually am a big fan of that. I am, too. Yeah. So what did I, you uh what 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 list did you play? Well, you know what, Jerry was very persuasive recently. So you know, why play with like two or three blood moons when you can play with eight blood moons main <laughs> deck? I've played a deck that is called Dragon Stompy. Uh, I'm not sure have have you mentioned it on the cast at all yet? I'm not. No, we haven't, it. and I'm actually not familiar with it at all. So we can even talk about that a little bit today. That'd be fun. Alright, sweet. So, like, we'll kind of do, like, a mini, uh, you know, what, what should we play? Even though this is a yeah, metagame deck. So, yeah. yeah. So this was a, there's a whole category of decks called Stompy, which is, which are decks that have mana acceleration, like Ancient Tomb and City of Traders, that are typically monocolored, because when you're playing colorless lands like that, it's hard to play two colors. And you're trying to just, Play a prison style game with Chalice and Trinisphere, and then your color will put you, it will give you some various tools. So, like if you're uh, green, you can play some main deck chokes if your metagame's heavy blue. And there was a one point in time, there was, a, there was something called like Sylvan Plug that was mono green stompy. Um, there was a deck called Sea Stompy that was blue that had some drakes or something like that, um, like some big flyers to kill your opponent. But Red Stompy originally was Dragon Stompy. And the finishers, well, and with red, you get Blood Moon as well, and you get Magus of the Moon as well. So on top of, like, Chalice, Trinisphere, Blood Moon, Magus, one of those things is going to mess up with your opponent. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and your finisher is usually, like, Rakdos Pit Dragon, which is, like, some, you know, 4-4-4 four, 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 
I, I don't know the exact, exact stats, but it gets bigger if you're hellbent. Um, it wasn't like, you know, a fantastic finisher. About yeah. a year or two ago, somebody, I think up in the New England area, actually, uh, I believe his name is actually Zach Turgeon, to be exact. He okay. played a goblin version of it. So he had cards like Mogcatcher, which lets you tutor up goblins. Um, I think actually we saw it last week. Um, in the yeah, in Indianapolis, right? Yep. In the IQ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's Goblin yeah. Snoppy. So you have Mogcatcher, and the cool tech was that Goblin Matron is another way to tutor up your free pieces. Um, yep. The downside is like those creatures are kind of small. They're not you know heavy hitting. They don't put on a fast clock unless you're Goblin Rabble Master and you have nothing on the board. This one actually plays dragons again. So we had some sweet standard cards or recently rotating standard cards that are pretty fast finishers, like Thunderbreak Regent. So, you know, the good old 4-4 four, for four, 4 whenever your opponent targets a dragon you control, including it, it, it lightning bolts them in the face, um, yep. which is great because it survives a lightning bolt, and if they try to plow it, they're going to take three. Um, yep. And if you just don't want them to target plow, it plays two copies of the Stormbreath Dragon, right? Yeah, Stormbreath. Oh, yeah. Which is also another sweet uh, finisher as well, and also plays Planeswalker. So it plays like a pair of uh, Chandra Pyre Master, a pair of Koth of the Hammer. Koth also puts a very fast clock on your opponent, um, especially when you lock him now, out guess, early. It, it, yeah, and I guess if you're playing Stormbreath too, when, since he's got Pro White, he's not getting swords in that matchup. Yeah, he's not getting bolted either. Yep, because yep. he's a four four. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I I got to the late game to the point where I could activate the uh, monstrous ability, but that doesn't really happen <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is one of my favorites. I I played a, a red white aggro deck in, in standard for a while, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was always fun. Whenever you got to what what is it seven mana, your right. opponent's just like looking at their hand, looking at the board, and they just scoop it up. It's great. Yeah, so like to kind of flush out the deck list a little bit. So it's got eighteen lands. It says it's got ten mountains, four city of traders, four ancient tomb. Because again, we want to accelerate, and four chrome mocks to help you really accelerate, and four simian spirit guides who definitely. Uh, that definitely is a strong word, but a lot of the time you will have three mana on turn one to either Blood Moon on turn one or Trinisphere on turn one, or even Chalice for one is still very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned the Regent and the Storm Breath, so uh, four Goblin Rabble Master, because again, by himself, he is a very stupidly good threat. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, on empty board, yeah, he attacked for one, the turn he comes into play, but the next turn he attacks for six, unmolested, you know, well, between him and the two tokens. Yep. Um, what else do we... Oh, it played uh, two Koth, two Chandra, one Sword of Fire and Ice, just another way to help card draw. And uh, the original list I, I borrowed off of was three Magma Jet, but okay. uh, because you're playing Chalice, so you can't play Lightning Bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunshock, I think, is much better. I know you guys were talking about it last week. Yeah, that's um, like one of Jerry's pet cards. He loves that card. Oh, that card is... I played it in Vintage. That card is phenomenal. In vintage, really? Yeah, it was it was like a hate bears deck. It was a very metagame dependent deck, but but in a world of uh, mental missteps and chalice for ones, like Sunshock does the job. You know, kills mentors before they get a chance to pump it up. It kills flip delvers. It kills uh, now deathrite shamans. You know, kills a lot of things before they get a chance to do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. you, even if like you want to kill a key spell, a key elf with uh, wireward symbiote, they don't get a chance to bounce it. Um, really, really, really strong card, especially when you're playing Chalice. So that's kind of your main deck, and then your sideboard is just various answers, like uh, a set of Tormod's Crypt. Actually, I think I played three. Three Tormod's Crypts, 
Two Sulfur Elementals for Death and Taxes, uh, Shattering Spree, Ratchet Bomb, Pyrokinesis in the Creature Mirrors, Frixian Revoker if there's some annoying permanents you need to shut down, and Snaring Bridge in case, yes. you know, and this is kind of presuming Sneakacho gets more popular. Right. Um, so. Which, which I think it will. I think you will see a lot more Sneakacho out there now. Yeah, and I think I played the third coffin in the sideboard for the, the slower matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like miracles, like who, they can't deal with four four elementals <laughs> to the face, and even if they like swords the elementals, like the ultimate will just kill them. Yep. Um, so I played uh, against Stasis round one, and he had the awkward situation of does he activate Vidalkin Shackles to take my Thunderbreak region and take three, but I get to keep my Storm Breath and kill him with the monstrous, or does he take the Storm Breath Dragon and take three? <laughs> 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 and, and That's like, not a good choice either way for him. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and then like I, I got, I got, I had faster stuff than he did. Like I got to put permanents on the board faster than he could lay lock pieces in in stasis. So that was kind of a, a fairly easy matchup. And then I get to play against Storm, which uh, is awesome when you're playing Chalice of the Void and Trinisphere's main deck. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one game I went Chalice for one. Goblin Rabble Master attack you for one. Goblin Rabble Master attack you for infinite. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he had to read the card, like, wait, what? It, it gets plus what? Plus what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like seeing Goblin Rabble Master in Legacy. That was a pet card of mine in Standard as well. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it's just super powerful, and it's, it's a lot of fun to play. And Yeah, it's pretty funny, Legacy guys trying to read the card. <laughs> yeah. It, it, oh, I mean, people are reading Thunderbreak Region, uh, Stormbreath Dragon, Rabble Master. <laughs> Cough, Chandra. Oh, I, th- I, f- I forgot. Was it the Stasis guy? Oh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll get to it in a sec. Okay. Third round of play, Infect. And fast combo might be kind of... Like, if he gets in under me, then it's kind of a problem. If I lay my lock pieces first, I might have an advantage. Um, I got to Blood Moon him, like, turn one or turn two, game one, which which was really effective because it locked him out of Ink Moth Axis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to win with Glistener Elves, and it's a great feeling when he has to use pump spells on his Glistener Elf to not die. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to, like, I think he was at six or eight, and I attacked with, like, Rabble Master, a couple tokens, and, like, Magus of the Moon, and he had, like, <laughs> he had to chump the Rabble Master and then, like, pump the Glistener Elf so he, like, wouldn't take a giant load of damage the next turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Magus of the Moon is, a, is such a beater, too. I know. Like, if like, you're running Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon in the same deck, you're just a monster, and I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, um, I'm going to win the game and beat you for two. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I should call this Jerry Me Dot deck. This really yeah. this should be... <laughs> I, I really like it. I mean, I, I'm a big Blood Moon fan, man. I really am, and it, I, it's won me some games, you know? It's been really good, so... Uh, well, yeah, if I'm not on it and I'm up there at TE, I'll definitely lend it to you. To the front. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, game two, let's see. Again, I oh, uh, I'm trying to remember what happened here. Pyrokinesis was really sweet too because that was just one of those like exile any redundant card in my hand, like kill his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, he thought I was stuck on mana, so he forced will the Chromox. And then, like, I just laid down, like, another soul in and played uh, Magus of the Moon and Blood Moon him again. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was a similar deal. Like, I just laid too many threats for him to deal with. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, it, it, that's that's tough. It, like, it, it, 
it's difficult to, to decide, like, if you're going to fight on the Magus of the Moon, like, angle, if you want to fight the Blood Moon angle, or if you want to fight the Trinisphere angle. I feel like you have to fight one of those three, right? Right, exactly. Like, you're, you're going to, like, you have to deal with, like, pretty much most or all those pieces, otherwise you're in trouble, given yeah. the, the way most of the, the way Legacy decks are built. Yep. Um, and this was the game, I think, he... He had a noble hierarch to get himself out of the Blood Moon, kinda. So I, I landed a Chandra Pyromaster, and again, he had to use his pump spell defensively <laughs> while I plus one him. Right, you just wanted to ping him. <laughs> yeah. So then I, like, went in and swung with, like, uh, like a Rabble Master or a Magus or something, and he tried to block, and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I show him Chandra. <laughs> yep, yeah, that, like, that ability to ping a, a creature and then have him not block is huge when you have like a Ravel Master in play, and you're able to just uh, just attack for free with him, you know? Oh, yeah, and I guess I like, should probably, like, read a couple of these cards, too. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, like, yeah, Shiner's a, a four a four loyalty, four mana planeswalker, plus one. It deals one to target player, one up to one target creature that player controls. In case they have nothing, then you could just ping them for one. Yep. Um, that creature can't block. So, you know, you can hit a Tarmogoyf, you can hit a Gurmag Angler. It, it's sweet. Um Zero is also pretty strong in this deck because obviously you don't see Brainstorm Ponder, uh, well obviously no Dig Through Time or anything like that, but the Zero is card advantage in this deck. Exile the top card, you may play it this turn, which is sweet. Um, haven't had to do it that much, like I wasn't playing any super grindy matchups where I needed mm-hmm. the Zero, but, uh, but it was useful. And I won't cover the ultimate because that I don't think is really going to happen when yeah. your only burn <laughs> spells are, uh, um, Sun shocks. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was curious if you ever used that, that bubble ability on Chandra, because I know that in Standard it was kind of like you choose between Chandra or you play the um, the Siege Outpost, Outpost Siege, you know what I mean? Which has right. a similar effect. Yeah, um, I, guess, I always like Chandra over that. Yeah, and I guess Infect is just nuts, because it's like plus one killer guy, unless mm-hmm. they want to burn a pump spell. Right, which is like a win-win for you. Right, exactly. Uh, and Koff, which is the other sweet Planeswalker threat, it's a three loyalty, four mana Planeswalker, plus one untapped target mountain. It becomes a four four red elemental creature till end of turn. It's still a land, and it doesn't say with haste, so you just have to like in case somebody tries to angle shoot you, just target a mountain that was already in play from the previous turn, um, or just say like you know I'll give it to my non non mountain I played this turn or whatever. Um, I, so, I, I do like in the new set, in the, when they have the awakened you know ability now, it's just given haste so that you don't have those yeah, feel bads or those exactly. Yeah, they had some feel bads in standard with that, and there's just stupid lo- rules lowering. But uh, you can imagine like in the creature list matchups like Storm, Miracles, even Infect where they're very creature light, like swinging in with four fours is pretty strong. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that one's sweet, and even like you still get, or you can ramp. I mean, you could still untap the mountain and tap it to do something else. Like, that's okay, mm-hmm. too. Um, minus two, this doesn't really happen at all, uh, so I'm going to skip it. And the ultimate is definitely scary on this. So th- it starts with three, minus five, so three turns in, unmolested. You get an emblem with, quote, mountains you control have tap, this land deals one damage to target creature or player. <laughs> And we all know we can't really interact with emblems, so your mountains just kill everything in sight, including your opponent. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why you're playing. What did you say, ten mountain in that in that uh, in that list? Yeah, and and well, and Magus and Blood Moon will oh right turn yeah. all your other stuff to mountains. <laughs> so you so if you're running like the ancient tombs and all that stuff, that those will be mountains as well. And, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> if so, chances are if you're ultimate in cough, that's probably game over. Yeah, it, that's just game. I mean, you're gonna have like four or five lands in play. Um, yeah, all these cards, like, 
the sideboard was great. Everything was pretty good. I really wouldn't change a whole ton with it. The only card I thought about messing around with was uh, the new Sarkin, the mono red one, the one that's like five mana, four loyalty plus one. Oh yeah, um, becomes the four four indestructible dragon. Yep, yeah, he's good. I like him a lot actually. I don't know if he's great in well in this list. He might be great because you're gonna ramp so quickly. Yeah, um, I like the minus cool. too. Like the middle ability where you can deal four to a creature might be kind of relevant. Yep. Um, yeah, Sark of the Dragon Speaker. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's three red red for a four four uh, loyalty planeswalker. He, uh, if you plus one him, he becomes a four four indestructible legendary dragon with indestructible uh, haste and flying minus three. Uh, he deals four damage to target creature and then the minus six, which actually is pretty relevant because again that's only three turns in. Uh, you'll get an emblem at the beginning of your draw step, draw two additional cards, and at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. Yeah, it's I mean, that nice gives you permanent card. card advantage. Yep, yeah. So, like, a early uh, early scoop to Jacob Corey, who you probably can hear on Once in a Blue Moon on the Everyday Eternal podcast. Um, he okay. usually he actually is a Tin Fins aficionado, uh, tipping off Adrian, in case he ever wants to yeah. <laughs> have somebody on the show um, that, love, that also loves Tin Fins. But uh, he's been kind of crushing with this deck, so I pretty much played, like, 74 out of his 75. Um, so I went 3-0, oh, nice. 3-0 and then split the last round with my buddy, who I can't, went to the shop with. He was on Shardless, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I would be 4-0. Um, just yeah. because, like, that the, the, the per, like that deck preys on the bug decks. Like, oh, yeah, Blood big Moon time. Early, big. they can't do anything. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty sweet, like, that's a pretty sweet deck. Um, is there anything that's really bad against? Like, I mean, you said it's a metagame call. Like, what would you see out there that you wouldn't want to play against? Um, like, if there's glass cannon combo, obviously, like, mm-hmm. you don't interact much with them. So, like, for instance, uh, like an Oops All Spells, a Belcher, like, those kinds of turn one decks where they could just, once they know what you're on, they could just mulligan the combo and just deal with you. So, I would say that one's pretty bad. Um, any decks that can deal with all these prison effects. So, like, at one point in time, I believe I switched on to the Goblin version of this when Bug was popular before Cons, and then post-Cons, the Blue-Red Delver deck got super popular with Treasure Cruise, and it was kind of a dog to that, because the Blue-Red Delver deck plays basics, so your Blood Moon effects don't do squat. Um, right. It has... It had a uh, young pyromancer and treasure cruise, so it didn't care about your chalice of the voids. Um, I mean, Trinosphere will slow them up a little bit, but again, like once they have one of those threats in play, they could just keep jamming spell after spell after spell and not care about mm-hmm. what you're up to. Uh, actually, treasure cruise didn't even care about Trinosphere, so yeah. <laughs> um, I would say it'd be like pretty soft to that. But it, but blue red mm-hmm. is not as popular now as it was back in the treasure cruise world, so. Um, you really just want decks with like greedy as hell mana bases. That's you want bug. You want rug. Rug isn't so bad. I mean, you just have to be conscious that uh, they can lightning bulk your Magus of the Moons. So you really want to blood moon them first, and then then you can play your other stuff. Um, or like play a chalice for one to protect your your Magus of the Moon along those lines. Um, and then yeah. you can lock them out pretty bad. Uh, I'm trying to think. Miracles might be able to get out of what you're up to, but typically not. I mean, you're like this version plays so many high impact threats that they don't have as mm. much time to react to you. Then like the Goblin version, where you could be like, all right, uh, turn one or two, Trinus for you. Next turn, I'm gonna get Goblin Matron. 
So, like, you just put a 1-1 on the board, and now you're going to get another guy, and, like, you're playing a bunch of... You need to play a bunch of those goblins to get an overwhelming board state, where, like, they could play something like uh, Terminus, and, you know, you have to work hard again to rebuild your board, and they have enough time to do stuff to you. Mm -hmm. This version might be a little bit better, just because it's, like... Once you start locking them, it's hard for them to interact with Koth. It's hard to interact with, like, Chandra, um, or even, like, Stormbreath Dragon. Like, those yeah. threats are, are super, super hard for a deck like Miracles to deal with. I, I haven't tested the matchup, but that's kind of how I see it playing out. Um, i trying to think any other super fast combo decks. Um, yeah, I, I think those maybe are like the... Maybe, like, something like Ant? Um, possibly. Well, Ant's a little slower. Maybe Tess. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If they have a good, if they have a nut hand, they can like they can get under you and play empty of the warrants for ten or twelve, mm-hmm. and now you gotta like hope post board you draw pyrokinesis to deal with some of those things, or yeah. um or the ratchet bomb or something like that. Um, yeah, something along those lines. It, I mean, it's one of those decks I'll probably keep playing for a little while if I keep seeing the local meta beat greedy with their mana. I'll just mm-hmm. you know I'll be perfectly happy to play the Jerry special on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely think that with, um, we were kind of talking about the cast a little bit in the previous weeks too, with Dig Through Time out, um, I think we're going to see a lot more, uh, like bug decks and a lot more rug decks. Obviously Miracles is going to be out there, but if you can get over the top of Miracle or get under Miracles rather, I think you have a really good shot with that deck. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, like, Death and Taxes might be 50-50 because mm-hmm. their Aether Vowels can put stuff into play. Sure. And they have planes. So they don't really care that much about what they're up to. So they might they might be able to play a game with you, uh, main uh, game one, post board. I mean, you have access to pyrokinesis and access to uh, self elemental to kind of slow them up a little bit. And revoker is pretty decent against them too because you can just oh, yeah. either either vial. Yep. yep. But super fun. It's not a super expensive deck. I mean, city of traders is probably the most expensive card off the top of my head. But you can also play that in a number of decks. Uh, yeah. Play mud. You could play uh, sneak and show. You could play. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Painter. Uh, does it play in painter? Maybe. Hundred um, percent sure. I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. But like that in ancient tomb, you'll see in a few different decks. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if you want to like switch color, you can, you, know, you can play a green stoppy. Or yep. if there's a black version out there, that's pretty relevant. But all the other cards are pretty tame. Like, Magus, I know, is up to, like, a $25 card. but like, Yeah, it's really high. Um, but it's not a bad card to have for Eternal Formats. Like, Chalices has calmed down over time. Eh, oh, Blood Moon's pretty ugly now. Yeah. But, like, I mean, compared to other Legacy decks, like, you're not you're not sinking money in the duels. So that's a, pl- a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, like, $100 staples like Jace or Liliana. I mean, the uh, the list I pulled up from the IQ in Indianapolis, I mean, granted, it's not running the uh, City of Traders, it's running four Cavern of Souls, but I think those are probably comparable, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Cavern of Souls is like 42. Yeah, and this deck doesn't even play it, so yeah. you save money um, there. Yeah, it's like 500 bucks. It's really not bad. I mean, it's not it's not obviously card for card, but I mean, if you're in like the five to $700 range, maybe $800, that's pretty, that's pretty affordable for Legacy. Yeah, I can name a list of modern decks that are more expensive than that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like <laughs> Standard decks are getting up there lately, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and with this particular deck, I would say you can move from this into Mud, where, like, mm-hmm. you already have City, Ancient Tomb, Chalice, Trinisphere, so you already have those key staple cards, so then you can start moving into Metalworkers and and uh, Grim Monoliths and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then eventually you can go into wastelands or and or uh, caverns, depending on what build you're, you want to make. But like that's at least some of the core cards. Yep. Um, or you can move over to you can play the uh, goblin version of it, which is not that expensive either. I mean, mob catcher I think is like five to ten bucks ish. Yeah. I mean, so that's it's kind of a, a cool monocolored prison type prison type deck. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really fun. Yeah, it seems really cool. I uh, I did not get to go to up to T this past weekend to play. Um, I just had some family stuff going on, but I will be there this weekend, and I will be running the uh, the blue red delver list. Um, I've been playing around with the wasteland stifle package in it, and I really really enjoy it. Um, it has a lot of play to it, so that's one of the things I'm kind of working on right now, trying to figure out um, what's important to stifle, what is not important to stifle when you're trying to play mana denial versus other things. So um, that's been a lot of fun, but I did not get to play this weekend, so. Yeah, I wanted to say, like, in that particular build, I totally agree that Blood Moon makes a hell of a lot of sense, because in, in that build, you're just saying no. Exactly. Like, your your yeah. goal is like, no, you can't have that spell, or, yeah. you know, <laughs> no, you can't have a land. Like Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, there was a game, <laughs> there was a game last week where, or the week before, rather, where I was playing against, like, um, uh, Rug Delver, and he had me down to, like, six and uh, I uh he was at twenty and I was able to hit a blood moon with force wheel backup because I knew he had uh um force wheel in his hand and uh was able to land that and just you know land a true name nemesis like the next turn and then land another true name nemesis the following turn and just beat him down it was great. Um, oh yeah that's yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> oh yeah yeah and there's like you know he's there's nothing he can do. I'm just hoping he doesn't top deck like you know if he doesn't top deck two uh two bolts then I'm good. You know what I mean? So Right. Have you uh, played against Bug yet? Because I feel like your build stands up pretty decent, especially if you have Pyromancer to um, against their Lilianas. Yeah, I think I played against Bug once, but not with that build. I was playing with my previous build. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's one that that's a matchup I'll need to uh, need to work on. But yeah, I think I think in that ma- I mean any deck that's re- pretty greedy with their mana base, I think is like Wasteland Stifle is just great, especially because if I can keep them off their mana long enough to land a Blood Moon, um, it's just game over for them. There's not much they can do in the face of that. Um, Right. I mean, any other ways to deal with Deathrite Shaman, so, like, that doesn't, you know, you're not phased by that at all, either. Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly. I have enough direct damage in that in that list to, to deal with it, so. Right. Um, yeah, it's been really good. I like That's that hot. Dragon Stompy, though. That's a cool deck, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's it's a great feeling where, like, you just play, one like, a three ball or a blood mood, and they just start sinking in there for your leg. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're looking at their hand like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do to deserve this? <laughs> how how um how easy is it as a pilot? Do you think it's pretty easy to pilot? I don't think it's that bad. I mean, like, you're, I think the biggest challenge is sequencing. Like, mm-hmm. you have to look at your opener and, and think out your first turn or two. Like, all right, do I go for it and try to land one of these pieces not knowing what my opponent's on or like do I lead with a mountain and have them guessing a little bit and then like next turn play around days or play around spell pierce um which piece do I want to lay down first do I want to maybe lay down a transphere and then make it harder for them to counter my next threat especially if you're ahead on mana um because like for instance say like you're on the you're on the play you go ancient tomb chromox transphere untap, then you can play whatever the heck you want. They can't force a well you, because they got to pay three. Um, like, that's a great feeling. So, <laughs> it's really just your sequencing, and part of that might dictate, like, how well you know the format. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of sideboarding, it's pretty straightforward. Like, obviously, you know, if you go against Reanimator, you want Tormod's Crypt or Storm, where they rely on your graveyard. You know, like, all the sideboard cards are pretty straightforward. So, um, it's really just, you know, 
if you're really good at beating spells, like you'd be pretty good at this deck, I think. Nice, nice. Uh, if you're playing blue decks, if you're not yeah. playing blue decks, then it's just really like, what's going to screw my opponent the hardest? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's your that's your sequencing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. There are there are a, you know there's one or two blue decks out there in Legacy, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not like there's not like a ton of tricks to the deck. I mean, the only <laughs> trick is really like. Once you have Blood Moon, then you can lay, like, as many City of Traders as you want, because all of them come into play as Mountains. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. I mean, you know, any other interaction is perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this deck was was much, much, much better feeling than when I played the Goblin version of it, where it's like, uh, like, I just have these two twos. Like, I want to put more pressure on my opponent. Like, this one is just like, slam, there's a 4-4. Four, four. Or yep. slam, here's a Rabble Master, you're going to take 6 next turn. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think, I, I'm actually looking at the list from Indianapolis, and it looks like, I mean, it's it's under Dragon Stompy, but it looks more like Goblin Stompy, because it's run like Mod Catcher, Goblin Matron, Siege Gang Commander, Rabble Master, Cranko Mob Boss, Settler, oh, yeah. yeah, it's definitely Goblin Stompy. Yeah, that's totally the, that's definitely the Goblin Stompy. And like I said, that it's, when I was playtesting with that deck, I was sitting there going, like four Mogcatcher isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I like the card I went to was Imperial Recruiter because Imperial Recruiter gets your Mogcatchers and anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get Imperial Recruiters the hell of this deck. And then, uh, and then when I saw the tech with Goblin Matron as your other tutor, I was like, oh, this makes a hell of a lot more sense. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I mean that one is like a fun deck, but like I said, I mean you can have a hand of like. You're one ofs, and you're just like, uh, it only plays one Magus where you're paying like the full set. Yep. In, in the list I'm playing with. Um, the one card I will comment on is Jet. So if you're going against like a creature heavy meta game, you might want Jet instead as Sword of Fire and Ice, or if like your meta is very aggressive, um, cause the gain life is pretty important. Mm-hmm. So like the Sword of Fire and Ice is pretty flexible with Jet, I would think. But I definitely understand why Jacob wanted the sword as, like, your third way of drawing cards with the two Chandras. Sure, yeah. Um, he did mention Boil, too, as a potential sideboard card. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a lot of, like, these, like, fringe decks, like, if, if Omnitel still lingers around, um, Miracles is, like, very heavy, where you're seeing a lot of basic islands... Boyle's actually pretty strong against that, but locally I don't see as much, so I can't justify Boyle. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, 3R instant destroy all islands. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, the re- the red player's dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, that that's, I think, the only other, like, different types of cards I would think of, or, you know, that, that one might consider when they're building their own list. Yeah. Nice. Well... We will segue quickly into the, uh, there was an IQ in, uh, where was it? Uh, Atlanta. Oh yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, the, uh, the 5k premium IQ down there. Um, we can go over the list, the top, the top eight real quick. Um, Caleb Scherer came in first. He was piloting Storm. Um, let's see, there was Charles Bug in second. Uh, Esper Deathblade in third. Miracles came in fourth. Infect, which I feel like I haven't seen a lot of lately, um, was in fifth. Another Stormlitz in 6th, Elves, which is making another resurgence, it looks like, in 7th, and then uh, final uh, Infect list in 8th. And then rounded out of the top 16 is actually another uh, two Elves decks and another Infect deck as well. So um, those decks, I think, were kind of being held down by the Dig Through time um, being around, especially with Grixis being on top there. 
Um, seems like they're making a comeback, which is pretty cool. I like those. I like I like those decks. I like playing against those decks. So um, it's cool to see those guys in the top eight. Did you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, I. It seems like the elf comeback might be because it was a twelfth and fifteenth, I think. It, oh, and seventh. Yeah. The, the elf comeback, I think, is due to the fact that it lines up pretty well against bug. Mm-hmm. Like you, you play more stuff than they have answers for, unless like. They are completely loaded up on on Golgari charms, um, so they have a pretty good advantage in in that matchup. Whereas back in like the Grixis world, where there's a lot of red removal floating around, like elves just wasn't prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Or it was hard for them to prepare for something like that. Uh, Storm kind of took me by surprise because if Bug becomes the deck to beat, you're dealing with a deck that has enough discard that it's going to mess up your engine combo decks like Storm. Right. Right. Um, so I, I was I was taking a look at the bracket to see like if Caleb dodged you know some bad matchups. Like it looks like his quarterfinals he beat the Infect deck, which I think makes sense because you can just discard their key threats and then kill them. Yep. Um, so I, I can see it going either way really. I mean like if Infect's on the play, they can play the Glistener Elf and they have so many redundant pump spells that it doesn't matter what Storm does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very possible. And, I mean, he won 2-1, to one, so that might very well have been what happened. Um, and then in the top four, it looks like he played against Miracles, which that one kind of threw me off because, you know, game one is very hard if they counterbalance lock you, but then post-board you have access to Abrupt Decay. <laughs> so you just wait until you Abrupt Decay their counterbalance, untap, kill them. Um, so I can possibly see you going his way in that sense. And then uh, the finals... He had uh, Charlotte's Bug, which, you know, I, I guess Charlotte's is a lot slower than, like, Bug Delver. Yeah. So yeah. I could kind of see why he kind of got away 2-0 with that. Um, but I definitely, like, he's been playing a very, pretty much, like, 59 out of 60 main deck. The same build he's been playing for the, even before Dig Through Time, where he's playing yeah. with the Dark dark Petitions. Yep. Um, the only difference I see now than what he's been doing before is he's got the top main deck now for, and that's really for your grindy discard heavy decks like Bug. Yeah. Um, so that's why you might see a top in in an ant deck like this. Hmm. And I think he brought Carpet of Flowers back, assuming Rug comes back. Yeah, I was gonna say he, yeah, he's running the trap in the sideboard for Carpet of Flowers and um, Abrupt Decay. Yeah. Yeah, everything else seems pretty straightforward. Um, he is. Three Cabal Therapy in the main instead of four. I guess he'd probably just need to make room for the uh, top. So I can yep. probably see that making sense. But everything else looks pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, I definitely like it. It's, I actually played most of his list up at TE one week and uh, it, you know, ran into Bug and uh, Mud, like two of the worst matchups. <laughs> yeah, that makes it, it makes your life a little rough. I would- yeah, it's like you, you you just having a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed yeah. the uh, the dark petition. It looks like that's been pretty ubiquitous in the uh, in the lists for for storm lately, which is pretty cool. That new uh, origins card. Oh, that card is so hot! Like, yeah. I mean, you can. I've tutored it for LED to get more mana to then go off of passive flames um, and not feel like you have to discard your whole hand, or you can use that to fuel an ad nauseum, or you can use that to. Help kill somebody with tendrils. Yep. Like there's, it's such a versatile card. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> so good, yeah. That that card, I'm I'm pretty. I feel like that card's here to stay. I think so. I mean, it's 
Yeah, and you're always gonna have spell mastery, right? So it's just it's just good. It's just good. Yeah. I mean, like probe in the therapy, bam. Yeah. Spell mastery. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll take a dark ritual on top of my tutor. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I was looking at the the rest of the top sixteen. There wasn't anything that looked too out of the ordinary um, in the lists. Um, Deathblade is still hanging around, which yeah. is kind of weird. Um, Enchantress pop back up. Yeah, I came in ninth, right? Yep. Uh, shout out to our buddy whose name I'm I'm Curtis. Breaking. Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. Curtis. <laughs> I always end up playing Curtis whenever I come up there. Like yeah. or, or like nine times out of ten, I, I get paired up against them. I do too. And for some reason, like when I'm running the, the Delver deck, we just have the most grindy matchup, and it's been it's it's always a lot of fun playing him. Um, <laughs> he's a he's an animated person to say the least, so it's always a blast. Yeah. Oh, I know. Listeners should go back and listen to that episode if, oh, they, if they haven't. It was a good one. It was really good. But, you know, sound sound quality aside, because he was, I think he was recording out of a tin can, um, the episode itself was really great, so. <laughs> yeah. I thought about him, because it looks like uh, Enchantress seems pretty sweet in Vintage, potentially, so I was going to start doing my research around that to see if there is a uh, potential for some sort of Enchantress deck in that format. Yeah, that seems kind of cool. Are you guys going to, uh, would you play just a, a bunch more Moxin? If you're playing that? Um, oh, well, I, I'm broke, so, or at least, <laughs> I'm vintage broke. I'm not legacy broke, but I'm vintage broke. So. Those are, those are, now, very specifically, those are two different kinds of broke. Completely right. different kinds of broke. <laughs> right. I mean, like, legacy, you can get to a point where, like, it's like, alright, I can wiggle my way into a Jace the Mind Sculptor, but no way I'm gonna touch a tabernacle. Where it's like, yeah. vintage, if you're playing with Moxin, it's like playing with, like, Five or six tabernacles. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, I like to play my uh, my used car. That'd be great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, when they restricted chalice, I was thinking, kind of thinking of that deck where it's like, all right, I could play some one drops, and then like all my threats are two drops and above. This might be pretty good in like a, in a metagame where you have mental misstep is like your only one drop hate. Yep. <laughs> now you play a little bit of vintage. How do you feel about the 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 um, the ban on uh, chalice? What is the chalice, right? Yeah, so Chalice was restricted, Thirst for Knowledge was unrestricted. Right. Um, Dig Through Time was restricted as well. So, yeah, Dig, I I mean, Dig wasn't that widely played, but I can totally understand, like, if you're going to go ahead and ban Dig and Legacy, and it's almost as powerful as Treasure Cruise, you should bring bring it down to the restricted level. I can totally see that. Um, Thirst for Knowledge I can also see because... Back in a year where that was really strong, it was restricted, back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, like, three mana is pretty pricey for an instant, so I could see that coming off. And then Chalice, I think they're just trying to figure out a way to neuter shops, because it's super popular. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get, like, a quarter of the metagame being workshops, and Chalice is a brutal card. Uh, I mean... <sighs> I wasn't sure, like, what else could they possibly restrict, because Trinisphere is restricted. Um, actually, I heard on Insane Plays, without, you know, going too deep onto it, but a good vintage podcast for people is uh, So Many Insane Plays, which is also, I think, under Everyday Eternal, or the yeah. same group. Is that Bob, uh, Ma- is that Bob Maher's podcast? That is Menendian's. Okay. Oh, that's right. Menendian, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Steve Menendian and Kevin Cron. Yeah. Um, their thought was, actually, Lodestone Gall might be the card to take away, because... Uh, it's not only it's it's not only a prison effect, but uh, you get a beater out of the deal. Yeah. So um, I'm not 100 percent sure on Chalice, but it's definitely nice to 
not have to deal with chalice, but you still have to deal with mental misstep. So uh, I'm not sure if that's good or bad for the format because I haven't played it enough yet to decide. But mm-hmm. overall, I think it was pretty decent. It was nice to just see a shake-up, period. Um, so, yeah, that that's a format that's just, like, little by little, pick up some new, you know, ideas and mm-hmm. try some stuff here or there. And if I find proxy tournament, I'll probably jump into one of those and play some. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that that would probably be the only place where I'd be able to play any vintage, just because, just because of the cost. Like all my money is in legacy, and I'm not looking to trade out of legacy to play vintage. Um, right. So I would definitely play proxy because I think if you can proxy like 20 cards out of the deck, it's probably significantly more affordable. Yeah, I mean, like, and they have the the budget challenge at the champs where mm-hmm. if you play a non-powered deck, minus also bizarre. And something else I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, you could potentially get some prizes. And we'll shout out to our buddy Ian McCown for that's, for that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he came in I think third. I think in that in that challenge. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he had some infect. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was trying to do some hate bears, and uh, it was fun, but I was just having this bloody headache, and I just couldn't <laughs> go through the entire Swiss. Yeah, no, that's uh, understandable. <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely a fun format to check out. I encourage folks to, you know, take a look at Super League and take a look at the Mandarin, which is like the source for vintage. Um, really interesting stuff, and, and even Joe Fiorini stuff on MTGO, PureMTGO.com, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, really, really, really cool format. I'm glad it's still hanging around, and especially if you're in New England, you have plenty of opportunities to. To jam some vintage proxy or no proxy. Yeah, we're really lucky up here. All the uh, all the eternal formats get a lot of love in New England. That's pretty great. Yeah, oh, it's it's so fun because I mean, the hell standard and modern. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I was I was hearing a bunch of standard players complain about the prices of standard decks right now. They're getting up to like seven hundred dollars, which is absolutely insane for standard cards. I don't think yeah. it'll I don't think it'll stay that high, but it's it's definitely up that high. I think a lot of it has to do with um, people weren't picking up their play sets of fetches when they were really cheap. And now they've started to they're started on the upswing. Um, yep. Probably, I, I think you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they'll probably taper off when they rotate out of standard, which will be in the spring. They might taper off a little bit, but I think you know. I got I got like my all my play sets were in there at the absolute bottom of the barrel earlier this year, and now they're all like you know double in price. And a, a lot of that, I think a lot of that comes from that that mana base. Yeah, duels typically have that trajectory, like yeah. uh, or projection, for instance. The Scars Fastlands, like Seacrim Coast and uh, Dark Slick Shores, at one point, they were like $20, $25 cards. Mm-hmm. Because when Delver came around, like that was your one of your best duels available to you, so you needed to play with those cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they tapered back down to, you know, 4 to 8 bucks. Yeah. You know, not to say that the fetches would come down that low, but you'll get another window before rotation, I think. I think so. Um, I think so. It won't be that long just because of the playability in Modern and Legacy. Um, but that's definitely your best entry point to buy back in. Yeah, if you haven't gotten them yet, wait, wait till the spring, wait till cons rotates out and pick them up then, or just before. You should see a, a nice low price in those. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, there was one something Adrian and I on the uh, the part A uh, recording of this podcast, <laughs> the 1.0 version. We uh, we did talk a little bit about um, there was a little bit of a Twitter spat. Um, between Jeff Hoogland and Joe Lissette, um, and oh, priceless, <laughs> so good, right? So, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rag on Hoogland too much because I think, I don't think he's a bad dude. And I think he's kind of misunderstood. I think he's just, he's a brewer and he likes to brew and he likes to brew decks that are good. Um, and I think in Legacy, the room to brew is a little bit, 
a little bit more narrow than it is in other formats, right? Like, and he was just saying, you know, that the difference between, uh, you know, the difference between a format defining card and a format warping card is how you spin it, right? It's how you pitch it. Um, which I thought was actually kind of wrong. Like, I know he's, he's, he's <laughs> he basically said that he wished he enjoyed casting Brainstorm more so he could play in the, in the, uh, the Legacy 5K. And, uh, Jola said, I can't remember word for word what his, what his little snip was, but it was pretty hilarious. Um, but, uh. It wasn't along the lines of, like, oh, it's weird not hearing, uh, Oh shoot! What was it was. It? I think it was. I, I think it was something about like, you know, Hogan said, "Oh, I wish I could play in this 5K." And then, oh, uh, I got it. Good okay. to see that you're okay. I got worried when I didn't see you whining about legacy this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's Hoogland's thing. He's always complaining about about legacy. He's like, oh, you know, like the, uh, the all of the modern IQs or modern like 5Ks have been bigger than legacy. And it's, I mean, that's a given, right? I mean, but it hasn't been by a huge amount, but I'm not even going to get into that because he's got his own way of doing things. But I, I did think that it brought up an interesting question and I did discuss with Adrian and him and I were kind of, kind of on different pages. I mean, and I'd be really interested to hear your um, take on it because right. I, I don't feel that, I, I think the difference between a format defining card and a format warping card is not spin. I think that a format defining card is one that um, you need to either play or be able to beat, and that it has to be part of your, how, part of your deck, right? I think a format warping card is one that um, you have to pl- you, you have to play, right? Like, so it's one that you have to play or you lose. You can't beat it outside of outside of playing it. Um, kind of the way that Dig Through Time was. I mean, not as much. I don't think it was really warping the format um, as hugely as something like Mental Misstep, which I think is probably the best. Um, uh, kind of example for this, where every deck was playing four mental misstep, right? Yeah, I was gonna say that we can start there. So format warping is you have a card that like either you absolutely have to play with it or like you have to fight it. And the weird part of mental misstep is it did both. Mm-hmm. Like goblins was playing mental misstep to fight other decks mental missteps. Yeah. You know, or to potentially fight their one drop, but that, it was really to fight other mental missteps. Like that, that, like that metagame was really like that was whack. That's what Jerry was saying. <laughs> he's like, when Elves is playing four mental missteps, he's like, there's something wrong in the format. <laughs> right. Yeah, Goblins, the deck that hates blue, had a blue card. <laughs> uh, um, clues would be crying. Clues would be crying over that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> S- Survival was on that line. Um. You, you you could play cards. You could play decks that have good matchups against survival and be okay against the field, mm-hmm. but there weren't that many just because of how resilient survival was. So it was getting to that point where it felt like you either like you had to play it or you had to specifically hate it. Uh, like I mean, and that that kind of worked. I mean, that's that's criteria for a ban. But like, let's take brainstorm, right? So I, I'm sure some people feel like. Brainstorm is a format warping card because of its popularity, and it's in, it's in roughly seventy percent of legacy decks. So that's a right. large chunk of legacy is is going to have a, a running is going to be running brainstorm, and typically you're running a four of brainstorm. So there's a lot of brainstorms out there, right? So like kind of bridging the gap between survival and brainstorm. So for survival, the question becomes like, can you play green decks without survival? And unless you're elves, like. The answer is like no. Like you, you, you had to play survival because mm-hmm. any good green deck, especially green decks with creatures, like played survival. Like that was it. Um, and even like survival, I think had good matchups against elves. So it is even a stronger case for you to play survival. Brainstorm though, 
it, while most of the time if you're playing blue, you're playing Brainstorm, but let's take a deck like Tezzeret. Again, not a major metagame player, but Tezzeret plays blue, but does it play Brainstorm? Mm, no. Like, I mean, they're playing Chalices and Trinospheres. Like, Brainstorm doesn't really, you know, it doesn't jive with that kind of a, a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could think of some other blue decks off the time I had that don't play Brainstorm, but, like, it's... Well, it's like, Merfolk. A, Merfolk doesn't play Brainstorm, does it? Perfect. Yeah. Merfolk. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't, because it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive to to what it's trying to do. Like, you want to play Threats, like, having the card selection is not really that worthwhile. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, like, yeah, it, is it often that you have, like, the counterexample? But, I mean, you can still find reasonable counterexamples where you have blue decks that don't really need Brainstorm to operate. Right. You know, like, if anything, like, Brainstorm is probably, like, one of the best cantrips you have at your disposal, but by all means, like, cantrips doesn't drive your entire deck. No. Like, for example, like, Miracles, like, it's nice to have a Brainstorm, but that's not, like, you know, the cantrips really are playing secondary to your key game plan of just play counterbalance at top. Right, lock exactly, your out. exactly. Um, my, my argument is that Brainstorm, I mean, you know, historically speaking, was not a strong card until you had Fetchlands, right? When you, when you had Fetchlands and you had the ability to shuffle your deck after Brainstorming, it made that card a lot, a lot more significant. Um, I, I think that because, and Adrian's, Adrian's thought was, because Brainstorm is a, a, a skill testing card, Mental Misstep is not a skill testing card, right? You kind of fire off Mental Misstep when you have a one drop to counter and you move on with your life. Brainstorm has a lot more play to it, and I, and part of his argument was that because it has a lot more play to it, it doesn't warp the format. It is certainly a defining card in the format, but I think you also need to keep in mind that Legacy is a spell-driven format. It's not as much of a creature-driven format. I mean, you are playing right. with essentially the best cards in Magic, and originally that w- those were spells. Those were instants and sorceries. They, it wasn't creatures. You know what I mean? Like Only recently have we gotten to the land of Tarmogoyfs and gotten to the land of Trudian Memesis and gotten to the land of of uh, uh, Stoneforge Mystic and, and Deathrite Shaman and creatures like that that are just absolutely super overpowered and, and you know, on the on the edge of being broken, you know what I mean? On the edge of being just just crazy, crazy good. Um, we're playing with cards that are from the the spell side of Magic, you know, the early the early days of Magic, and I think that that has to come to effect too, and Brainstorm is just one of those things that is going to smooth out your draws, it's going to give you a little bit more consistency in your deck, but no one's winning a game because they're casting Brainstorm, right? Like, no one, like that doesn't win you the game. What wins you the game is the consistency of your deck, the texture of your deck. Right, exactly. I mean, like, it. you know, there's times where, like, the deck is a role player. There's times where that's, like, an all-star. And then there's other times where it's just not needed. Um, so, to me, like, Brainstorm is, is close to warping, but not not as close as Survival was back in the Tay Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of a... I can't think of too many format warping cards we've had. Well, Treasure Cruise. I think that was actually a format warping card. Sure. I mean, like, how could you say no to three cards for one mana? Yeah. Like, you, you <laughs> fall so far behind in the card advantage race that, like, you either had to play Treasure Cruises or you had to play, like, decks that hate on Treasure Cruise. Like... Something like Painter, where you have like maybe Chalices or Pyroblasts, like things along those lines, um, to really get knock them out of the game. Um, so yeah, I mean that's I'm, and, and I mean you can see how Treasure Cruise just like eradicated decks like Bug. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you know like I pretty much eradicate. Um, so like I would say Treasure Cruise was warping. 
dig through time was on that line. I'm curious what you think about. It. Like to me, like Treasure Cruise was on the line, especially when Grixis Delver started playing Dig Through Time. Mm-hmm. It's not like they really needed it, but I mean, you you see writers go, well, like it's uh, too good of a card not to play. Yeah, that yeah. that was kind of uh, Ross Miriam's stance on the card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, too strong to say no. Yeah, it was it was it was before my time when Treasure Cruise was in the format. Uh, when Bob Wong kind of broke broke legacy with Blue Red Delver with Treasure Cruise, um, and I wish I was around for that because I would have loved playing that deck. Um, and I think that you know not having played it and I wasn't really paying it too much attention to the format at the time because I wasn't playing that I was playing standard. Um, that that's probably is warping the format a little bit. Um, I don't I I can understand the argument for banning Dick through time, and honestly I'm not upset about it. It's it's kind of um, inspired a little bit more creativity in building my Blue Red Delver deck. Um, that now that I'm not able to run, you know, three or four of those dig through times, um, I don't know if that was warping the format per se, but it did certainly push out some decks, right? Like it pushed out Rug Delver, it pushed out Bug Delver. Um, anything that was trying to make you discard was just worse when you're running anything that's when you're running a draw spell with Delve, right? I mean, if you're running a a, a creature with Delve, it's not as bad when you're discarding cards and getting a creature out of it, but when you're getting just pure card advantage out of the cards you've been forced to discard, I think it does kind of change that that equation a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't upset about Take Your Time being banned. I think it was probably fine. Um, the format was pro- would probably be fine with, with it, but I think it's okay without it. I think it's going to be... I think it's fun. And them unbanning Black Vice, I haven't seen that in any list yet, but I'm sure that will be coming when people are going to brew with it and bring it to a... Uh, to an IQ or something like that, so we'll see how that right. goes. Maybe, maybe the uh, maybe GPC Tech will be the big coming out party for Black Vice. Who knows? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> uh, I'd be curious what what the listeners think about how warping. Because I think the other card that's quote unquote recently banned was uh, Mystical Tutor. Mm-hmm. That wasn't too too long ago when it was banned. I wonder if that was format warping. Uh, I know Storm and Reanimator were kind of big losers or. They kind of hurt a little bit when they lost access to that card, but um, I, yeah, I'm kind of curious what the metagame was like back then. So, you know, if anybody knows, it'd be cool if you, you chime down on the Facebook page. Be curious to see what you thought about like the card Mystical Tutor, and if that was a warping card at the time, or it was just strongly defining, maybe tearing that line of warping, and they, they banned it for good measure. Yeah, I mean it's 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 certainly a powerful card, and I would think any any deck that's playing blue is going to play Mystical Tutor, you know? right? Um, but yeah, I mean it's I think it's I don't know I think it's interesting the, to talk about the difference between a, a a format defining and a format warping card, and I think that you and I are both kind of I understand the fact that that line is very thin, right? There's not a huge difference between the two, but there is there is certainly a difference. Um, or or even like another example of recent, well, relatively recent is. Cobblade the deck. Yep. Like, your metagame choice was play Cobblade, play a Cobblade variant, or, like, just lose. Or go 0-2 <laughs> drop, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, or you're playing a deck that's heavily slanted against Cobblade, mm-hmm. but just, like, dies to the other major players of the, of the metagame. Like, like Vampires had a decent matchup against it, but it just died to Valakit and, and a lot of other stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just, like, this, you know halfway decent aggro deck of the format. Um, like, that that was warping, so they had to ban the key pieces of <laughs> Stoneforge and Jace to knock it off the, you know, off the ledge so they can, other decks can play in standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And, and you know what? It's just crazy. just to run a little a little listener poll, a little straw poll. Here's what I want you to do. If you think that brainstorm is a format defining card, I want you to just tweet at J M E E three R D at Jerry. I just want you to tweet defining. Or if you think it's a warping, just tweet warping at him. Don't give him any any explanation. Just send that to uh to Jerry on Twitter. He'll love it. <laughs> we'll, yeah. get, we'll get the results on what everyone thinks about it. <laughs> or Adrian. I think either one of them. Oh yeah. Be great. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Actually, just copy. Just put them both in there. Put them both in there. Yeah. <laughs> Pull them over there. Don't say why. <laughs> Just warping. Adrian does listen to the podcast, though, but Jer- I know for a fact Jerry does not. So once, he, once it's recorded, he doesn't listen to it, so he'll have no idea what's going on. Adrian will know, but it'll still be funny. <laughs> um, so, all right, well, now, before we head out, um, I was just curious. If you're going to go play in an IQ or a 5K this weekend, you can play any deck you want. Um, what are you going to bring? Like, if you want a top eight, what do you think is going to be competitive this weekend? Oh, man, how do I say no to Dragon Stop? <laughs> no, I I think that the 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 case to play that deck is strong. I mean, if you're going to be, I mean, we all know Bug and Rug are going to be out there in force, right? So you you know that right. hitting out their mana base is going to be huge, especially when running four Magus and four Blood Moon. That's just that's just good. Um, and I I think your case against playing against the fast combo decks, like if you can get underneath them because you're ramping so quickly, I think if you're right. able to get underneath them or even dodge some of those matchups, you're probably in good shape. I'm kind of curious. I mean, the other deck I've been getting into and just getting reps just to know how the deck plays, which is I mean, a strong for people that are getting into the format. It's always good to play a bunch of other decks just to see how they play. And like worst case, you get to see what the other side of the table is looks like when you're playing matchups against them because you've played as their deck. Yep. Um, I've put together the pieces for Reanimator. Nice. And once the format settles a little bit. Reanimator might have the right creatures to shut the top t- top deck of the format down. Like for instance, like if we kind of assume, you know, if we look, like leverage something like Goldfish, you know, uh, Infect decks like Infect and Elves, even Rug Delver to some extent, uh, you you stick an Elish Norn against them, they're just screwed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, or even worse than Rug Delver, like if they if there's a Grixis Delver still floating around, like. They're just dead to an Elish Norn. Oh yeah, game over. Oh yeah, I've had, uh, I've had a great a great bo- you know blue red Delver board against uh, Reanimator and 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 uh, and, and Elish Norn comes down and you just scoop them up and go to game two. You right. know, there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. And like for for the uptick in bug, I think Grave Titan now becomes a main deckable target because uh, Grave Titan was around because it makes zombies. So now Liliana's bad against them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you sack a guy. All right, I'll sack a token. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, and you're not really too worried about the discard in the in the bug list, right? So right, it's like, oh, oh thanks. I'll just pitch my grizzle brand. <laughs> sure, thanks. yeah, sure. I can entomb my guy for free. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and against miracles, I think like Iona is still a strong card against them. Like you, you reanimate Iona, naming white. You shut off Plow and Terminus. So now they have to deal with like Jace as they're out, mm-hmm. and they don't play that many Jace. Like maybe two Jace. Or, you know, if you're playing Legacy Mir- or uh, Legend Miracles, they might have access to v- Venter and Caracas, potentially. Um, but before the ban, people are playing the the Creature Light version, like just Snapcasters. And, uh, you know, no Caracas, no Venter. So that was pretty good against Reanimator. So I think come up with a package that might beat up on the top, the top decks. Like, I probably want to play Reanimator. Sneak and Show, I feel, I know, like, that's the show-and-tell deck now, pretty much, but it's, uh, 
I feel like that deck can get so clunky too. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it can. Um I, I think that Sneaker Show is going to just be better than like than Omnitel right now. Um or Omni Show, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, though. I, I think it definitely can have really clunky draws where you're doing absolutely nothing. I mean, you get paired against death and taxes once or twice, you're just dead. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so I'm not sure if I would play something like that. Like, I would play Reanimator and have access to Show and Tell, my 75, mm-hmm. to deal with the decks that could deal with the graveyards. That would probably be the way I'd play it. Um, I definitely, I don't think I'd play Ant. Um, I mean, it against Bug is just very tough. Um, miracles can lock you out before you get a chance to do anything. I'm not so sure. Um, to me, that deck feels like it, it fell fell off into like tier two almost permanently until we get to a meta game where it's favorite again. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I, I'd say I'd probably stick to the <laughs> probably stick to my uh my. Molly Dragon Stomping. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even better if it was a uh, Legacy Open, because that would give me some sort of a chance to jump on camera. (laughs) Get the first couple rounds. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, (laughs) you know, any, I feel like any big event, anything that's new, more than six rounds, you're going to want a little bit of luck on your side where you're dodging some of your worst matchups, right? So, you know, every deck's going to have bad matchups, but I think that deck in this metagame might have fewer bad matchups than some of the other decks that, that that are out there, you know? Right, like, I'm looking at the top eight decks of, of the format, according to Goldfish. Mm-hmm. Like, Death and Taxes and Miracles can deal with Blood Moons, but Charlotte's Bug, Elves, Infect, Bug Delver, Four Color Delver, Teamer Delver, like, they're going to have trouble with Trenospheres or Blood Moons or Chalices. Like, <laughs> yeah. like one of those three is really going to hose them, or more. And I like, you know, like, like Death and Taxes and, and Miracles is a little more resilient, but by, by no means are they, like, horrible matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess the rest of the field is perfectly fine, too. I mean, that, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where where my mind's kind of going. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I also, like, you know, if it was me, I'm obviously going to go in with Blue Red Delver. I still think that I have a lot of game against the big decks, um, and I really like playing Wasteland Stifle in this metagame when everyone's going to be, you know, when I think that, a lot of decks can be playing three colors when they're going to be have greedy mana bases. I like having my two blood moons in the sideboard, um, and I think that you know one thing I learned was how good um, Stifle is against a deck like Ant, or how good Stifle is against like a deck like Reanimator. Um, yeah, I think I think I'd probably be playing Blue Red Delver, not just because it's the deck I've been playing, but it's the deck I know the best. You know what I mean? I think that knowing that knowing your deck is better than having the best deck that's out there statistically. Yeah, I mean, especially when, like, it's still, quote-unquote, early mm-hmm. to tell where the decks to beat in the format just yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are kind of guessing that Bug is topping, but, you know, like, you only see Shardless in the top eight last week, and then I think Shardless won the week before, but there wasn't really any Bug Delver anywhere in his top eight. Yep. So, I mean, Grandmag Angler is still hanging around as a cons block card that's still very good. Um so Grixis Delver might still hang around, even though Dixie Time's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think Grixis Delver will be Grixis Delver. It won't be four color Delver anymore because I think the Grixis list that was really running the format was the, technically a four color Delver because they were splashing green for Deathrite. Um, I think that now they're probably not going to be playing the Deathrite Shaman without the Dixie Time, and it'll probably see something else out there. But yeah, no, I think it's a great point. I think that that list will probably see a little bit of a, a reformulation, and we'll see if it's able to come back strong. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe if anything, I would probably play. Like, I wouldn't be upset playing Death and Taxes into the metagame. Yeah, that's the other. That's the other one I think that's probably pretty good right now too. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. I'm curious to see where we end up in in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a fun time. Like, I think this is my first like post ban when there's actually been a ban um, legacy kind of format. So it's really neat to see um, new stuff coming out, and it's exciting to. You know, Monday mornings to kind of see what happened in the weekend, see if anything new popped up, if anything, you know, if you see any cool trends going on. So, and, you, you know, trying to find out what are the decks to beat. Right. You know, so, but, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we can move into scoops now if you're ready to scoop some people in the top eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's scoop you in, good sir, for <laughs> inviting me on and, uh, and, uh, being able to talk some legacy. Man, I just can't get enough of the format. That's pretty much what I exclusively play these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, man. And thanks for coming on. I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience let our listeners go uh, go a week without having to hear at least my sultry voice. Um, and oh yeah, always happy to have you on. Have you talk some legacy? It's always great. Well, and the champion of the podcast. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> of course, as long as I'm beating Jerry week in week out, it's, it does make me. You know, I'm I'm definitely on top. And since Adrian does have a legacy deck together, I'm the most successfully legacy player on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was see you next week. Just jump on and say that the champ is here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just see how how Adrian and Jerry react to that. Oh, they'll love it. I'm sure they'll love it. <laughs> just splice splice in some John John Cena theme music, you know. <laughs> I did do that the other week when Jerry when Jerry came. In. I don't know if you heard that, but I did have the oh, yeah. obnoxiously loud John Cena meme coming in, and it was I, Adrian didn't find it very funny, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Your time is up, my time is up. Yeah. You can't see me, my time is up. <laughs> it just starts with like, George Cena! <laughs> but, like, oh my god. Uh, I'll scoop John Cena in the top eight. Yeah, what the oh, hell? yeah. He's a local guy, you know. He's from Mass. He went to, um, uh, he went to, not Winnick, but he went to like, uh, Western Mass School. He played football. Oh, nice. Yeah, he played football there. He played center. Uh, he was like a center. He played college football just a few years before I started playing college ball. All right. Yeah, don't they bill him out of, uh, what was it, Newberry? Yeah, West Newberry. Right? Probably, yeah. That's probably where he's from. He, I can't remember what college he played football for, but, yeah, he used to play offensive line, but that dude's stacked now, man. That dude is a big dude. Oh, Sp- Springfield College. That's right, yeah, Springfield. Yeah, they used to just run the, uh, I'm not going to get too far into the, into the football portion, but they used to just run option. That's all they run. If you ever play Springfield College uh... football, they play... They run the triple option. <laughs> so they're the uh, they're the navy of D three. Yeah, pretty exactly. much. They literally like, they have like their they have the option like routes like taped onto the field and they just run over that like throughout practice. <laughs> There's not a lot of thought in that in that team, but at least at least there wasn't then. I don't know if that's changed now. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to Virginia Tech. It's all about the run. Oh, you that's right. You're a, uh, what are you a Hokie? Is that what they are? Yep, that's right. Yep, good that's old Hokies. <laughs> Actually, that's where I'm going tomorrow night, and I have to go recruit for my my job. But uh, I'll be back in Blacksburg for a couple days. Oh, nice! Yeah, awesome. Nice. Is that your alma mater too? Yep. Oh, good for you, man. I like it. Yeah, it's even a quarterback's run. Just look at Vic and now Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> it's like, true. Quarterbacks run. It's true. <laughs> As they should. As they should. They can't. They, they can't all be like Tom Brady. You know, they can't all be. Like, <laughs> they can't all just stand proud yeah, in the exactly. pocket and, and just and and dodge like every dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All right, well, oh we'll... So, yeah, scoop, scoop, yeah, definitely scoop you and, and Cena in and uh, <laughs> and, and Dragon Stompy. Man, that deck's a that deck's a blast to play. Scoop that in the top eight. Um, uh, yeah, let's scoop Virginia Tech in the top eight too. Why the hell not? Hell yeah! Uh, 
had, had a good basket of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's scoop the podcast in minus Jerry and Adrian. Uh, <laughs> hashtag shots fired. Uh, let, yeah, let's scoop shots fired in the I top like eight. I like it. Oh man, this is a full this is a full top eight we have going on right now. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I like that. Let's just battle it up in the top eight. It's also going for the most scoops in the top eight in the podcast. I like it. <laughs> Shots fired versus Cena in the top eight. Who wins? I mean, I your think Johnson is Jerry just louder, so. Yeah, just, just tell Jeremy who wins between John Cena and hashtag Shots fired. Don't add any context. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Oh man. Alright. Uh, this week, I'm gonna scoop, I'll scoop you in for coming in, man. Thank you very much for, for hopping on. Very short notice. Um, always great to have you talk legacy and educate me a little bit and, uh, and, uh, hope we give it back a little bit. And, um, I, you know, if you're coming up sometime soon to the, uh, the Worcester area, I'd be happy to go out and have some, uh, I don't know, Brazilian steakhouse or whatever, whatever the hell Adrian's harping on lately, so. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely work on that. Like yeah. I said, my my folks have been in town like the past three, four, five weeks, and uh, <laughs> once we get through the end of the month, think November gets a lot better. So nice, nice. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, since I didn't get to play this past weekend, I don't have any opponents to scoop in, so I'll scoop in. I'll scoop in my wife because she's a wonderful woman, and uh, I love her very much, and uh, she lets me play magic, which is great. You know, she she gives me her blessing, so it makes it a lot less awkward when I go out for six hours and uh, hang out with a bunch of bearded. Gentlemen in cargo shorts. <laughs> oh man! All right, all right, man. Well, if that's if that's uh if that's all we got tonight, that's uh that's it for me. Yeah, same here. All right, all right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. I'm gonna play out with some uh some music, and uh, don't forget to tweet tweet Jerry. Just relentlessly tweet him. Just answers to things without any context. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, we have warping or defining, uh, John Cena or hashtag shots fired, some combination. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. (laughs) All right, guys, thanks again. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hello. Since you're pretty as soon as you came in the door, I just want to chill, got a sack for us to roll. Married to the money, introduced her to my stove. Showed her how to whip and now she remixing for low. She my track queen, let her hit the band. We be counting up, watch how far them fans go. We just had to go, talking about your Lambos. A 56 a grand, probably 100 grams though. Man, I swear I love her, how she work the damn pole. Hit the strip club, we be letting fans go. Everybody hate we just call them fans though. In love with the money, I ain't never letting go. And I get high with my baby, baby. I just love the more, I'm getting fly with my baby guy.
Remember me, boys, and nothing. Remember me, boys.